Come on, let's give a hand clap unto the Lord. Let's thank Him for being here with us this evening. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift up His name as we start Sunday school. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we praise Your wonderful name, Jesus. God, we bless You in this house, Lord. We give You the praise and the glory and the honor. In Your name. Uh, you can be seated. Uh, forgive my moment of transition here. I've got wires and cords and whatnot hanging everywhere, but uh don't have a title or anything, but that's fine. We're just going to walk through the Word of God and uh, try to get to a point. You ever known somebody that always seems to have one of those wise words of wisdom when you're about to do something? Maybe you're about to... Uh, I don't know, tackle a big job, something to that effect. And what I was thinking of is maybe like you've got a big lot to clear out and it's just junk and weeds and all kind of stuff all over it. And You know, you're just thinking about how daunting the task is and, and how big the job's going to be. And sure enough, somebody's going to come along and say, well, you know, the longest journey starts with the first step. Boy, howdy, boy, that really helps me out a lot there. Or, uh, I, don't, I don't know, I didn't really put a whole lot of thought into these different sayings. Or maybe, you know, to eat an elephant. How do you eat an elephant? Uh, what do they say? One bite at a time. I always like the one of this. Uh, I was going to procrastinate today, but I decided to wait till tomorrow. And you know, all those are, are, they're all pretty good, you know, there's something to say. The old saying goes, some people have something to say, and then some people just have to say something. You know, there's a lot of truth in these uh, euphemisms, but I do have a problem with one of them, a big problem, the one about the elephant. Y'all remember that one, just said it? How do you eat an elephant? Everybody says, one bite at a time. You know what I say to that? Hogwash. That's craziness. That's not how you eat an elephant. Matter of fact, anybody venture to guess the average weight of an African bush elephant? 13,000 pounds. Big elephant. Now, and I would assume that if you're going to spend your money to buy an elephant, you would want to get your money's worth. You wouldn't want to, first of all, eat a baby elephant. That's just cruel. So just mark that off the list, you know. Come on now. They're cute. You can't eat cute animals. So if you're going to acquire an elephant to eat, it'd be like, you know, like when you buy a cow to eat. You want a big healthy one. You want a 13,000 pound elephant. 13,000 pounds. And uh, of course, I'm not a cattle farmer, not a butcher, but I do have Google. And it says that, check out this lingo, the on the hoof weight, that means a live cow weight. 
when you butcher it and clean it, you get about 60%. I mean, is that in the ballpark? I mean, okay, that, that's, okay that's legit then. Brother Black confirmed it. So if you take the same principle of cow and apply it to elephant, if you got a 13,000 pound elephant and you butcher it, you're going to have 60% of 13,000 pounds, which is 7,800 pounds of elephant meat. And well, steaks would, I, I would assume that an elephant steak would be delicious. But for mathematical purposes, we're going to assume that you grind 7,800 pounds of elephant meat up in hamburgers. And just say that you do have a big appetite. You like those double quarter pounders. Two quarter pounds is one half pound. You got yourself 15,600 half pound elephant burgers. We're going somewhere. If you were to eat three elephant burgers a day, and now that's a lot, but remember our goal here is to eat an elephant. You're not going to spend time with salad. You're not going to spend time with a bag of chips. The goal is to get this elephant consumed. You're going to eat three elephant burgers a day. Guess how long you're going to be eating elephant? 14 years and two months and four days. To eat 15,600 half-pound elephant burgers. Not only that, if we take the same principle of cow to elephant conversion, and I don't know if there is such a thing, but I would assume elephant meat's pretty lean. Lean beef is about 1,100 calories per pound. If you have 7,800 pounds of elephant meat in that 14 years, four month, two months and four days, you're going to consume... 8.5 million calories. Which brings me back to my earlier point. The answer to how to eat an elephant is not one bite at a time. Because more than likely, you're going to... I'll just be real. You're probably going to die. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have high cholesterol. You're going to be eating 8.5 million pound, uh, calories. You're going to be sick of elephant meat. If the, if the unhealthiness of it don't kill you, your depression of knowing that every morning that you get up, you have to eat three elephant burgers. I mean, year one may be all right. Year two, year 10, 11, 12, if you make it that long. Dude, no. So let's answer the question a different way. How do you eat an elephant? I'll tell you. You got 7,800 pounds of elephant meat to consume? Hey, man. Y'all want some of this elephant meat I got over here? Oh, well, I'll send you some your way. How much you want? I'll put you down for 100 pounds. Okay. Yeah, elephant. Fried chicken and elephant. The way to eat an elephant is not try to do it by yourself. It's to call everybody you know that you think might would have a hankering for elephant meat and get them in on the deal. 
bro, I need some help. I've got to get this elephant ate. Come on over. Have some elephant with me. I'll send some your way. Eventually, you're going to ask so many people, the phone's going to ring. That's Brandon. That's in nouns again. I'm sick of elephant. Tell them we got something else to do tonight. Maybe they'll call somebody else. The point of the, of the whole illustration is, is that some things, not only is not a good idea to do by yourself, it's detrimental to your health to try to do by yourself. And sometimes this thing called life is not best left alone. It's best to surround yourself with people that can help you, that can support you. Ladies and gentlemen, you are in an elephant restaurant right now. The church is a wonderful, excellent, excellent source of support from your brothers and sisters. Don't take for granted the support system that you have sitting to your right and your left. That's, that's, that's one of the good, many good things about the church. We are here. We're brothers and we're sisters, and we're here to support one another. Amen. But there's going to come a time when you're going to pick up the phone and call up even your church mates. Say, guys, I got a thousand pounds of this elephant left. Y'all want any more? <laughs> I'll send you some, Josh. But for the sake of illustration, there's going to come a point in one of life's tasks that due to no fault of anybody in here, not that you don't want to be there for them, maybe you're, you're just tired of elephant. Maybe you're busy. Maybe there's just something else that's come up. There's going to come a point in everybody's life here where you're just going to feel alone. But Psalms 28 and 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth. And with my song will I praise Him. The Lord is my strength and my shield. He and He alone can be your strength and your shield. Nothing anybody wants to let you down. Nothing anybody don't want to be there for you. But sometimes the only person that we're going to have to turn to is the Lord. There's some things only He can do. There's some problems only He can work out. Now we can, we can support and we can help and we can be there and we can offer words of encouragement, but there's some things that only the Lord can do. That's just one of the many benefits, like I said, of being part of the church, but being part of a relationship with Christ. John 15, 4 and 5 says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. Why? Because I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. There's something to be said about being hanging on the vine of God. 
When you, when, you, when you think about a vine that's climbing up a tree or, or, or even a tree or something else, you see these branches that's hanging off there, and it sounds so simple, but it's just the fact of the matter is, is this. If it wasn't for the vine, there wouldn't be any branches. They'd be on the ground. They'd be dead. If it wasn't for a tree, no branches. No leaves of them. Okay, so I remember years and years ago, I remember the house we were living in, so roughly the time, from, not that it matters, from 1991 to 1994, we lived at this certain place right up the road from where mom and dad live now, and I remember that there was a, uh, oh, what are those trees called? Bradford pear trees. You know, they, they, they grow fast, they get big. They outgrow themselves. First little storm that comes through, limbs are falling everywhere. The flowers are pretty, but gosh, do they ever stink. And we had uh, a driveway that would come up by the house and kind of loop around back. And there was this Bradford pear. I think it was a Bradford pear. I don't know. Not, not that it matters. It was a tree. There was a tree there. And I remember mom wanted it moved. I hope I'm remembering this right. But, but anyway, she wanted to dig this tree up and move it. And we had some uh, family over from South Louisiana or somewhere, I don't know. But anyway, he was a self-proclaimed botanist. He was a plant expert, and he said, you know what you should do since it's the spring of the year and the tree is still in somewhat of a dormant state? You should cut all the limbs off the tree, and then when you move it and plant it somewhere else, it won't be in shock. Now, I don't know if that's the way to do it or not, but if I was that tree, what would really shock me is that machete going down my bark, cutting all my limbs off, never mind getting dug up and moved. But, uh, you know, us not knowing any better, yeah, that sounds smart, you know, you didn't stutter when you said that, so cut all the limbs off, move the tree somewhere else, planted it, and would you know that tree lived? No, it died. Deader than a pickle. I mean, just dead. And the same way, this ice storm that come through a couple years ago, um, limbs everywhere. Everywhere you look, there's limbs. And for the first little while, when you looked at a limb, I mean, you could even take one of the limbs and just say you, you're going to stick it in this pot, you fill it with dirt, you put that limb in there, you know what it looks like? It looks like a tree for one day, maybe two, maybe three. But if you were to go somewhere and, and you know, never mind this limb, I've got to go clean up somewhere else for a week, and you come back, what once looked like a tree, you know what it's going to be? It's going to be a dead limb in a pot. Because there's a relationship between the vine and the branch. That's vitally important for both the tree, the vine, and for the branch. You know what that process is called? Photosynthesis. <laughs> Does anybody here know anything about photosynthesis? Oh, man. So basically, the gist of the matter is the vine or the tree, the roots are in the water. They absorb the water. The leaves on the branch absorb 
sunlight, chloroplast, chlorophyll, chemical reaction, taking in carbon dioxide, giving off oxygen, all works together for the health of the plant. Was that a simple enough? I mean... So without the vine, the branch don't have anything to send the sunlight and carbon dioxide and all that business to. Without the branch, the vine or the tree don't have anything to send the water out to. If that makes any, if if that makes sense, I don't know. Now. Let me preface this little lesson by saying this. I need the vine way more than he needs the branch. Because the fact of the matter is, if you were to cut off a branch of a tree, there's another one there. John 15 and 6 says, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. And is what? He's withered. And men gather them and cast them into the, into the fire and they're burned up. Cut that limb off. The tree's going to be fine. Got plenty more branches there. The branch, however, he's going to wither up and die. Guys, tonight... It's so vitally important. Just like we talked about the church being the support system, don't cut yourself off from the branch. I meant from the vine. Don't cut yourself off from the presence of God. There's plenty of powers in this world that's trying to do that for you. Sin has, has got his saw out, trying his hardest to separate you from God. Because let me tell you what's going to happen. If you get separated, whether it's by your own fault or by falling into sin, you're going to be like that planted branch that we had earlier. You can be on the, on the pew. You can be sitting there. And for a while, you're going to look fine. Everything's going to look great. But the longer you go, cut off. Just like John 15 and 6 says, cast that branch forth. It's cut off from that life-giving source. It's going to start to wither. It's going to start to fade. Those leaves, they're going to start to die. And you know, and gosh, I hope, I hope nobody finds herself in that situation here tonight, but, but I'm telling you, everything can look fine on the outside. Oh, but on the inside, that that chemical process or whatever happens with the exchange of, of, of life-giving nutrients from the vine and, and the reaching out of, to the sun <clears throat> from the branch, once that process gets cut off, it's only a matter of time. Like I say, the vine's going to be the vine. He's going to be alright. You get cut off. Death, I, I mean, it, it, it's around the corner. That, that's, that's just how it is. Isaiah 
59, 1 through 2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins hid His face from you that He will not hear. Guys, you're you know, born into sin, shaping in iniquity. You start out life with this cutting off process happening in your life. You know, we, we're born sinners. That's, you know, Adam, thank Adam, you know, for, for the original sin. Something, oh, just, let me take a little deal right here about Adam and Eve. Uh, you ever notice how goofy some of the animal names are? Elephant, butterfly, rhinoceros. Uh, I, I think that was kind of the deciding factor of why a woman was created. God saw how horrible of a job Adam done naming the animals. Look in your Bible. It says, God talked about making a helpmeet. Then Adam named all the animals. He said, bruh, you done a terrible job at that. And then the next thing you know, he created a woman to help him. So that's, that's, that's just how it went. But. but anyway, due to that original sin, the original falling away of sin, we're born with that cutting off process happening. If you take your machete and whoosh, Hack off that limb, like I say, it's going to fall and it's going to die. But, there is a process by which a cut off limb can be rejoined to the tree. It's an unnatural process, it does not happen in nature. It has to be manipulated, it has to be done by man or some other animal's hand. Uh, Romans eleven twenty two through 24 says, Behold therefore the goodness and severity of God on them which fail. Severity. But toward thee goodness, if thou continue in His goodness. Otherwise, what? You'll be cut off. Sin's going to cut you off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, if they will turn from their unbelief, and turn their face toward God, what will happen? Shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, that which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Now, guys, we've already established the fact that I don't know anything about plants, I don't know anything about keeping one alive, sure I don't know anything about grafting, I know just enough about photosynthesis to hopefully not make a fool of myself, but I think the way the process of grafting of limb goes is you take the cut off limb and maybe, I don't know, maybe you like, Whittle the limb down to a point thusly. And then you take the other side like that, you know, so you got the maximum amount of, I don't even know what the inside of a limb's called, not, not the bark. So you got the maximum amount of not the bark showing. And you take that V shape of the, 
of the branch and the pokey shape of the limb. You stick them in there, wrap them up real good, and hope that it takes. It's not a natural process. It don't just happen. Somebody has to physically pick up this limb, do the cutting, the whittling on it, put it together, wrap it up, but through the work of a man's hands, that which was cut off can be saved. Amen. It's an unnatural process. Jesus answered the question of an unnatural process in John chapter 3, 3 through 5. Jesus answered Nicodemus and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, or unto thee, sorry, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again? When he's old, can he enter again into his mother's womb? That sounds very unnatural to me, Jesus. I don't understand how it can happen. And Jesus said, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. There is an unnatural process, birthing process, that those that have once been cut off, laying on the ground dying, can be saved. There's also a process by which a person can receive all the same benefits, just like Jesus was talking about, or, you know, back there, well, hang on. Paul was talking about how how much more can these natural branches be saved than, you know, when you graft one in. So, you know, take that for what it means. You know, you got the Jews and the Gentiles. The Gentiles were grafted into the vine there is an unnatural process by which a person can receive the same benefits, the same inheritance, the same rights as someone's naturally born child. Galatians 4, 1 through 7. Now I say that the heir or the person that receives inheritance, as long as he is a child, differ nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the appointed time of the Father. Till the Father says, here you go. Even so we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive this unnatural process by which a person can receive all the same rights, benefits, and inheritances of a natural-born person. That process is called adoption. That we might receive the sons of adoption because we are His sons. God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. 
through this unnatural process of adoption, of being grafted into the vine, we have all the same benefits of a true Son of God. Why? Because we are the true sons of God through the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, to wrap all this up, My son and my daughter, no matter what they do, good, bad, or indifferent, will always be my son and daughter. Whether they colonize Mars or wreck my car, no matter what they do, you know, they're always going to be my kids. Once you follow this legal process of adoption, the same is true. Now, I've talked to enough people to know that this uh, adoption process can be tricky. It can be un unnecessarily long. It can be unnecessarily difficult. It can be unnecessarily expensive, especially when you consider how cheap and evil, the alternative to that is. But once you go through this process of adoption, you're an heir. And, you know, not a botanist, not a lawyer, so I don't know the process to adoption. But I do know the process to being adopted, to being an heir, to, the son, to be a son of God. It's listed out. Real simple. Let's all stand. Because I'm closing. I would imagine that when you go into the adoption agency, there's probably a big long form, list, books, lawyers, money, all this stuff to exchange hands. To be adopted by the Father and to be an heir of God through Christ. Simple. Three-step process. Matter of fact, some guys ask about it. Over there in the book of Acts. They said, Peter, what must we do to be saved? And now, what gave Peter this authority to tell him? Because Peter had a revelation of who Jesus Christ was. He said, I know who they all say I am, Peter, but who do you say that I am? He said, Thou art Christ. And he said, Flesh and blood have not revealed this to thee, but my Father who is in heaven, and I give unto you, what? The keys to the kingdom of heaven. Who better to ask how to get into a place than the man with the keys? So when they asked Peter, What must we do? Or what shall we do? Peter gave them a simple Three-step process to be adopted. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Through that adoption process, you, we, have become or can become an heir of God through Christ. Lord Jesus, God, we thank You for the process of being grafted into the vine. 
to the support that the church gives us and to the support that only you can give us, Lord. God, we thank you for robing yourself in flesh and coming to this earth, dying for our sins and giving us hope, giving us a way to be part of that vine, to be part of that tree, to be a branch on that tree, Lord Jesus. God, we thank you so much. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. and We give you the honor in the name of Jesus. Let's clap our hands and thank God. Hallelujah. We've got about uh, 15 minutes to transition in the next service. Come back at 6 o'clock believing for a mighty move of the Holy Ghost. Thank you all.